Good morning to all of you. I don't have my lapel mic on yet, Tim, <laughs> so. Good to see all of you here. Welcome here. Hope you all may have managed to find a seat this morning. I don't know where everybody is, but. <laughs> anyway, we'll start off with some singing. Songs I chose are in the hymn book, but I think Cam is going to be able to get them on screen as well. So. So the first one, uh, we will glorify, just a couple choruses to start off with this morning, just to uh, get our minds thinking about, about how great God is and, and how mighty he is, and we're here to worship him and just get our minds into that kind of mindset. So let's stand to sing, We Will Glorify. It's number 72 if you want to use the hymn book. <laughs> Well, again, as Glenn said, uh, just good morning to everyone. Thank you for 
everyone who's able to be here this morning. Uh, we're into these our summertime season where crowds are, are hit and miss, numbers are hit and miss, and of course sometimes we lose our our uh, our music team and all that kind of stuff. So it's a little bit a uh, little bit of a challenge each each week. But I uh, just thank everyone uh, that's able to be here this morning. Let's just bow in prayer. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for. Uh, for this beautiful sunny day, Lord, we thank you for the rains again last night. Uh, it's so awesome to have that moisture return to, to our neck of the woods. And so we thank you for your blessings, Lord. And we just thank you that we can gather here in, in your church, in your building, and, uh, and just have a place to, to fellowship and to praise and to worship you, Lord. So we just thank you again for all these things. In your name we pray. Amen. And Glenn will be reading scripture and giving the message. scripture reading this morning is from Leviticus chapter 23. So you can turn there in your Bibles please. Leviticus 23 and starting at verse 33. Leviticus is a book that we don't often go to. You might have to kind of dust it off and see if you can find it. So good, Lord, to 
just come together and, and unite our hearts around your word this morning. Uh, you've given us your word so that we may know you, we may know who you are and how you want to relate to us, we may know what is right and what is wrong, we may know your character and what you desire of us. And so, Lord, this particular passage, as we look at it this morning, uh, we just ask that you would teach us through it, help us to understand what it is you're saying, and help us, Lord, to, to know how it, how it applies to us in, in our world today, and in our society, and the way we live, and help us, Lord, just to understand that. Help me, Lord, to speak it in a way so you could make it clear what it is you're saying to each of us personally. Lord, it may be that uh, what you're saying to one of us is a little different than what you're saying to somebody else depending on where we're at in our own personal lives. So we just ask that you do that and uh, that everything said and done here this morning would be conducive to you being able to do that. Uh, we leave this in your hands and ask you to guide as I speak. We pray in your name. Amen. I'm going to start with some camping humor this morning. Appropriate, considering the title. If you look at the bulletin, you saw the title of the sermon is Camping with a Purpose. And uh, so here's some camping humor. It was late in the day when a fully loaded minivan pulled into a, the only remaining campsite in this particular campground. As soon as it stopped, the doors flew open and four children jumped out along with the husband and wife, and they began to unload the gear and worked feverishly to get the tent set up, and then the boys ran to gather firewood while the girls and their mothers set up the camp kitchen area. Uh, the camper in the space just next to them marveled at this, and he said to the, to the father, the chosen father, he said, I've never seen such teamwork, nor a camp that was ready so quickly. I'm impressed. And the father turned to the neighbor with a smile and said, yeah, I got a system, he said. No one goes to the bathroom before the camp is set up. <laughs> Have you ever noticed that camping stories are often about the misery you went through on the camping trip? And the greater the misery, the better the stories are when you get back home? <laughs> we had a great camping trip, let me tell you. And then you tell, start telling stories about all the misery you had. <laughs> how everything went wrong and all the weather was bad and this happened and that happened. and Oh, great stories. Um, and for some reason that holds true. My favorite camping stories are the ones where things went wrong and were less than comfortable. There's one that stands out in my mind a fair bit and it was a brigade camp when I was a teenager. And back in those days, my home church, they had a Christian service brigade program, and uh, the leaders of that program, the 14 guys, and the leaders of that program took us all camping as soon as school was done. We headed off and we went camping for about three days. And uh, yeah, they were always a great time. Look forward to it every year. Um, there's one particular camp I'm thinking of though, we pitched our tent in a bit of a hollow kind of tree down in the prairies, you know, there's not a lot of treed areas, but on the banks of the South Saskatchewan River. Um, he got hollows that had trees in there, so we pitched our tent in hollows, had some trees in it. It wasn't very level, but uh, we, we pitched our tent there and had a bit of a slope to the floor, but it rained lots that trip, and especially that first night it rained a lot. 
And uh, we were in our tent and kind of our feet down on the bottom of the slope and our heads up higher and uh, you, know, you know what happens when you have the tent down in the hollow. <laughs> so we were laying there trying to go to sleep but like teenagers on their first night camping we were talking and laughing until way into the night and the rain was pouring down and suddenly one of my friends said, hey guys listen. And he started wiggling his feet and we all heard this sploosh, sploosh, splash. <laughs> his feet in his sleeping bag down the bottom was in water. <laughs> Lots of misery. Man, those great stories. <laughs> the joys of camping. Someone has quipped that uh, camping is spending a small fortune to live like a homeless person. <laughs> We're taking a break from the book of Acts for the rest of the summer. We have come to the place in Acts where there is a bit of a natural break in the subject matter. So we're going to take a break here and do something different for the summer while everyone is kind of coming and going anyway. Um. <laughs> Sorry, my mind is... So Ethan's back here. Thanks for coming, Ethan. Another downing trip, Sorry. <laughs> Many of us, summer, summer is, is vacation mode, and vacation mode is upon us. Uh, times, summer times when a lot of people take some vacation. That's not a bad thing. Uh, in fact, I think many times it's a good thing. Uh, we all need times of a break from routine, from whatever our work is, just to refresh and to rejuvenate. That concept is biblical. So vacation is likely a good thing. But I think we need to do vacations right. From my research and from my personal experience, just going away someplace without any real plan or goal in mind of what it's supposed to accomplish uh, likely won't result in you being refreshed and rejuvenated. There has to be some thought put into it, some deliberate focus about it. I'm not talking about activities you have to do, not, not at all. I'm talking more about a mindset uh, and an attitude. What will be the focus for this vacation? And camping is what many people do for the summer vacations. Not all, but many. So we'll focus on camping this morning, but the principles that come out of this can very easily apply to any vacation. I have read Christian authors extol the virtues of camping for families, how this is a great thing for any family to do together. Because you get out of your normal routine, you are put in situations where some difficulties or misery is, is bound to happen. And you as a family have to work together to pull through. Uh, it builds a family and you come home more connected with each other and stronger in your family relationships. And despite the misery, or maybe because of the misery, you come home with some very good memories. Our scripture reading this morning was about the Feast of Tabernacles or Feast of Booths, uh, depending on your translation, how it's worded. Uh, I'm not sure if you have ever considered this Feast of Tabernacles or booths that God commanded the Israelites to observe every year as having anything to do with us today. And that's a Jewish thing. God 
fact, that's an Old Testament thing, and nothing to do with us. Uh, maybe that's all we always thought about it. Maybe you've never thought about it at all. Maybe you didn't even know this was in the Bible. Maybe you've never read it before. We're going to see that this Feast of Tabernacles, or Feast of Booths, was basically a week-long camping trip. You likely never saw that or thought about it in that way. But that's what it was. And it was a command of God. Every year, you shall, every year after harvest, go camping for a week. <laughs> that's what it says. I bet you never knew that was in the Bible, did you? <laughs> now, there was a bit more to it than that, of course. But it was certainly a camping trip. So let's, let's quickly go through this passage and see what this Feast of Tabernacles or Feast of Booths is all about. And then we'll look at the application. As you're aware, when God gave Moses instructions as how he wanted his people to set up their society and nation under him, God set in place a number of holidays and special observances, special occasions called feasts and festivals, throughout the year that the people were to observe and participate in. And this Feast of Tabernacles, or Feast of Booths, was one of them. All of them had a purpose behind them. Either to commemorate a significant event in which God had done a special work for them, or to take time to remember God and worship Him for His constant provision for them. So this Feast of Tabernacles, or Feast of Booths, was put in place to commemorate a time in their history when, during the 40 years between the people leaving Egypt and Taking the promised land, that 40-year period, the people lived in tabernacles or booths. That Hebrew word, that's translated booths in my translation. Some of your translations says tabernacles. Some, I think, say shelters. Um, that word in the original Hebrew simply means a crude and temporary shelter. That's what it means, a crude and temporary shelter. A tent would fit that description. So every year, starting on the 15th day of the seventh month, and according to the Jewish calendar. And for the next eight days, they were to live in these tabernacles, or booths. And that, in our calendar, that's about the middle to late September. This was after the last harvest of the season. The field work was done. And Luke 23, verse 40, tells us that on the first day of this feast, they were to go and cut the foliage and branches and boughs from the bush and the creek banks. And the implication is that they would use these to construct their tabernacle or booth. And then for the next seven days, they were to live in this shelter they constructed. Like I said, it was a camping. <laughs> camping for a week, that's what it was. Where do they go? Do they just put this up kind of in their backyard kind of thing and just live there? Well, I'm not exactly sure. I. I, maybe for part of the time, but if you turn your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 16, verse 16, and get a little more information, Deuteronomy 16, verse 16, where God says there, three times in a year all your males shall appear before the Lord your God in the place he chooses, at the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and at the Feast of Weeks, and at the Feast of Booths. And they shall not appear empty-handed before the Lord. So three times a year, a pilgrimage was required. Uh, the males were required. Females were not required to go. They could if they wanted to, but 
They were welcome to, but it wasn't required of them. Men it was. But anyway, they're to go to the place God has chosen, which that's talking about the place that God would choose where his temple would be, or tabernacle would be. And later years, that, of course, became Jerusalem. So this Feast of Tabernacles or Booths was one of those occasions. So we can deduce from that that included in this week-long camping trip was a trip to Jerusalem. Uh, so the first day after your tabernacle was constructed, the first day of this feast was a day off work. Uh, no laborious work. Well, that means no regular work. Whatever you do for a living, don't do that for that day. No laborious work of any kind. And then from then on, each day was to include an offering to God. Uh, Numbers chapter 29 gives further details about those offerings. We won't take the time to go through that. And then on the last day, again, that was a day where no work was to be done. So that was this Feast of Tabernacles. Camping out, a trip to Jerusalem, perhaps maybe toward the end of that week. It almost sounds, I get the impression when I read all the passages on it, that it was the last day was that's where everybody was to assemble uh, in Jerusalem. The last day of that week, of that feast. But it was for a specific purpose, it was to remember a time in their history. Now, God obviously is not saying that we as Christians have to observe this week long event just like he asked the Israelites to do. That's not, that's not the application. But what are the principles behind this feast? What specifically did God want this feast to accomplish for his people? God doesn't just give commands willy-nilly for no reason. There's always a purpose behind it. What was the purpose for the people here? What, did, what was it supposed to accomplish? If we can see that, then we have something that is applicable for us today. Usually these underguiding principles are timeless. They're good for all people of God for all time to incorporate into their lives. So how do we apply this to us today? Camping, vacation time. How does this apply? That's what I want to focus on. We need to be deliberate, friends, in putting purpose to our vacation time. And we can learn how to do that by following the principles set forth in this Feast of Tabernacles, or booths, in this passage here in Leviticus 23. So I just got two this morning. Number one, make it a time of rejoicing. Make it a time of rejoicing. I'm looking here at verse 40 of Leviticus uh, 23. Verse, verse 40. Let's just read it again. Now on the first day, you shall take for yourselves the foliage of beautiful trees, palm branches, the boughs of leafy trees, and willows of the brook, and you shall rejoice before the Lord your God for seven days. That last phrase in verse 40, rejoice before the Lord for seven days. That's one of the things that this was about. God meant this time to be a time of rejoicing for his people. Take this week, God says, go camping and enjoy me. Now let's explore this rejoicing thing a bit. How do you do that? What does it mean to rejoice before the Lord? Well, first remember what time of year this camping trip is to be done. And put yourself into the climate and the seasons of the Middle East for this. A little different climate than we have here. Um, the 15th day of the seventh month of the Jewish calendar, and our calendar, that'll be, the, like I said, middle to the end of September. Right after the last of the harvest of the different crops grown in Israel was harvested, the harvest was done, 
So after the harvest is done, the field work is done for the year, now God says take some time to rejoice before the Lord. Rejoice in the harvest, rejoice in the strength you had for the harvest, rejoice that it's done, rejoice for the bounty of the harvest. Now you can take a break. Harvest is done, go camping. <laughs> Second thing that comes to mind in this rejoicing thing is, and I had to read a few different translations. In fact, I caught this in reading some different translations of this passage. And then I started doing some research on it. But there's an aspect of rejoicing in the gifts of nature that God blesses us with that comes out here. Still in verse 40, they were to cut, my translation, New American Standard, says, the foliage of beautiful trees, palm branches, boughs of leafy trees and willows. Some translations, I don't know if some of you have these translations, but some translations that I read says, instead of foliage, it says fruit, Choice fruits and fronds. A frond is a branch with big leaves, or many leaves. And that actually may be a better translation. The Hebrew word there translated in my translation as foliage, um, beginning of verse 40. Uh, not sure what your translation says there, but some say it's fruit. And that's, that, that's true. The Hebrew word translated that actually means the fruit of the tree. So they were to go out into the bush, take the ripe choice fruit and also the foliage or the, the branches with big leaves and, and, the, and the palm and the willows and all that, those branches. And the implication is that they are to construct their tents or their tabernacles with these branches. But the fruit, why the fruit? Again, just to enjoy the gifts of God that come through nature. They had just finished the harvest, where they harvested the fruit of the fields. That was a gift of God, obviously, of course, but it is a harvest that they put a lot of work into. Obviously, any farmer knows that come harvest time, uh, you, you're reaping the rewards of your work, but seeding is a lot of work, taking care of the crop is a lot of work, bringing it to maturity, uh, and then harvest is a lot of work. So it's a gift of God. The harvest is a gift of God, obviously, but it's, you put a lot of work into it. And rejoice in that, obviously. But this is talking about the wild fruit. Wild fruit. They were to take some of time to enjoy this gift of God from nature that they put absolutely no work into. It's just there for them. Only work is pick and knead it. And rejoice before the Lord. This wild fruit was just an added gift and a blessing from the hand of God. Enjoy it, God says, my gift to you. And I thought about this, and I realized that this is something that camping does for me. Out in nature, just enjoying the gift of nature. Something I put no work into, it is just a gift that God gives to me. God may have given us the gift of nature for many reasons, but one of them certainly is for our pure enjoyment, just our pure enjoyment. There is something that is deeply satisfying to the soul, at least for me, 
to go out in nature and just survive a few days by what God gives through nature. And to realize that so much of what we need for survival is already provided for us there in nature. There's firewood, there's wild fruit, <laughs> need a wiener stick and go cut yourself a wiener stick. A lot of things you need. It just it's just there. God has provided for us. A few years back when we were out at the Pleasant Land um, that particular year, the wild raspberries were just prolific. And Gloria got such a kick out of just going and picking those wild raspberries. She just thrilled with that. And that that she was doing what this says here. She was enjoying the gift of God from nature. But what did you say? What did you May remember. <laughs> a few years back, I don't know when the five six years ago, Gloria took that ball around her and she made a little jar of jelly. And she gave, for Christmas, she gave you to lady in the church a little jar of jelly. The wild, the wild fruit, that just a gift of God that God had given. And it was such a, such a lark for her. Um, just God's gift and enjoying God's gift. Rejoice before the Lord. So this theme of rejoicing is to dominate this Feast of Tabernacles or Feast of Booths. Seven days of rejoicing before the Lord for the reasons that we just went through. So the application for us is that in our camping times, and for those who don't like camping, <laughs> we aren't out of line to broaden this to our vacation time, whatever that vacation is, the application is be deliberate about making it a time of rejoicing. What has God given you to just enjoy? Take those gifts from God and enjoy them. And rejoice before the Lord. Camping is a great thing to do in this regard for the reasons we've already gone through, but in all your vacations, if you're very deliberate in your planning, and then in executing your vacation, be deliberate in making it a time of excuse me, rejoicing. And then your camping and your vacation will have the intended purpose behind it. And it will be fulfilling for you. And be what God intends it to be, a time of restoration and rejuvenation. So make it a time where you rejoice. And then secondly, make it a time of remembering. And I'm looking here at verses 42 to 43. Make it a time of remembering. 42 to 43. You shall live in booths for seven days. All the native born in the Israel shall live in booths. So that your generations may know that I had the sons of Israel live in booths when I brought them out of the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. So another reason God wanted them to do this Feast of Tabernacles is to help them remember something important. This was to jog their memory, to force them to think about where they came from. You run across this theme right through the Old Testament. The instructions God gave, the feasts and special occasions that they were commanded to observe, the memorials they erected, so many of them have at their core this very thing. Remember where you came from. Remember you were slaves in Egypt. Remember how God brought you through the Red Sea. Remember how you crossed the Jordan Remember River. Remember this. Remember that. That's the theme of a lot of the feasts and holidays that God commanded. 
Very important to remember where you come from. It's difficult to put very much meaning or focus in your life if you lose sight of where you came from. So that's one of the reasons God instituted these things. To put back in front of their faces where they came from so they would remember. So what specifically were they to remember in this Feast of Tabernacles? They were to remember that their parents, this is the first generation here of the people leaving Egypt, that their parents, and as the generation would go on, to remember that their grandparents and great-grandparents or whatever, their forefathers or ancestors, they lived in tabernacles or booths or tents very similar to this for 40 years. The time between the left, time they left Egypt and the time they entered the promised land. For 40 years, and those 40 years were a significant time in the history of the Israelites. God had much to teach them in those 40 years, and they had much to work out in becoming an independent nation. They needed to remember that, that time. So this week-long camping trip reminded them that their ancestors used to live like that. They lived in those tents or those tabernacles or booths. And as they lived in them for a week, they were to remember that their ancestors lived like that all the time. Not just for a week, but their whole lives they lived like that. And remembering that would hopefully remind them of how far God had brought them. And all that God had given them and all that God had taught them. So a camping trip for us today can do the exact same thing for us. It can cause us to remember where we came from and what our ancestors went through. For those of us who have forefathers that came to this country and pioneered this country, many of them lived in shacks no bigger than many of the campers that you see in the campground today. with fewer facilities. And they just didn't live in them for a couple of weeks, a year for a lark. <laughs> that was life for them. Permanently. It's good for us to remember that. Let's go read some history books. If you know your own family history, you maybe are remembering things you heard, stories you heard of your forefathers and what they went through settled this land and tried to get going and establish themselves. Read stories of people coming in September, October, no time to build a house before winter. They dug a hole in the ground and tipped the wagon box upside down over top of the hole and they lived there the whole winter. It's amazing the things our forefathers went through. It's good for us to remember that. That's where we came from. God brought us from that to where we are today. It's all the goodness of God. God has blessed us. That's where we came from. This is where we are today. It's all the blessing of God to us. You need to remember that. You can make that principle work for any vacation, whether you're camping or not. Make it a time to remember. 
There was a time when any kind of vacation involving traveling any distance would have been unheard of. Our forefathers were in no position to even think about it. My parents, when I grew up, taking a vacation, going away as a family, that, you never even thought about that. That never entered your head. That just wasn't a possibility. It wasn't even in the cards. And look from that to look at what we do today. You need to think about that from time to time. Remember where we came from and how far God has brought us. It helps us focus our lives and helps us refine the direction of our lives. And helps us be thankful for the blessings of God and how far he has brought us and what he has given us. Things we really don't deserve. And how God brought them through, even in all the trials. And talk about misery of camping. Well, their lives were misery all the time, in a lot of ways. But God brought them to where we have a pretty good standard of living, of living today. My mom's family, they have a story of, of uh, I think it was my They had the flower was all gone. They had nothing. And in desperation, my grandfather uh, just prayed to God, God, please help us, please provide for us. And he said, well, I'm going to go to town and get flour. So he started walking. Walking to town to get flour. He had no money. He didn't know how I was going to pay for it. He just prayed. He said, walking. God, please help me figure out a way to get something. So we went out to town, first thing he do, he does, he went to the post office just to get the mail. There was an envelope in the post office, there was five dollars in that envelope. No idea where it came from, I don't think he ever did know where it came from. That five dollars put the money back again. And he was able to buy food, buy flour, buy some other groceries, take it home. God had provided. Has that ever happened to any of us? Were you seeing God's provision like that? We've never gone through anything like that. Which is a good thing. God has brought us that far. But also has it put in us an entitled attitude or, or some kind of an attitude where we just expect things to, to be provided for us and never have had to depend on the Lord like that? Remember what our forefathers went through and how far God has brought us. That's a good thing to do for us. It helps us to refocus our lives. and refine our lives. So in our vacation, let's be deliberate in making it a time to remember. Remember where we came from. Think about the things you can include in your vacation to help you remember. Your vacation will be better for it. It will be more satisfying, more fulfilling, more rejuvenating and restoring for you. So therefore we see from this Feast of Tabernacles the principles that will help us put purpose into our vacation. They are, number one, make it a time of rejoicing. And number two, make it a time of remembering. 
rejoicing in God, just in God's goodness to you, just the gifts that God gives. God's goodness. Make it time remembering where you came from and how far God has brought you. So if you have any vacationing ahead of you this summer, I encourage you to make these principles a part of it. Something that you have to be a bit deliberate about in your thinking. If you aren't deliberate about it, it's probably not going to happen. Um, and for parents, you know, this can be a great thing for your kids. Um, if you know a bit of your family history over the past few generations, tell them some stories of how they came here and how they lived when they first started out. And compare that with how they live now, how you live now. It's a great opportunity to teach them about how far God has brought you and how good God has been and rejoice in God's goodness as a family. I trust you can all have a good vacation time this year as you apply these principles to your vacations and our vacation is starting tomorrow so we'll try to do the same thing and put these principles to play in our vacation as well. Let's take some time of silence and uh, just take a few moments just in your own heart. Do some thinking about this. Is God saying anything specifically to you this morning? If so, what? And how can you apply it and make it part of your lives? I'll give you a few moments. response to that, let's uh, do some singing. If you want to follow along in your hymn books, number 46, God Leads Us Along. Uh, okay, I'll put the words up on their screen as well, I think. God leads us along. In shady green pastures so rich and so sweet, God leads us God leads to their children. 
just have to sing number four, uh, How Great Thou Art. I thought that's a perfect song to, think, to sing as we uh, think about the subject matter for today. <laughs> How Great Thou Art. It's number four in your hymn book. Ah! 
Maybe see